Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. I remember the day I became a dad. I remember being in the hospital in Castlemaine and Christine and I in the in the shower holding our firstborn, Keziah, our beautiful daughter, and we we're crying together in the shower at the absolute joy of becoming parents. And, and the prospect of becoming a dad was so exciting to me. I remember later on that afternoon, Christine had fallen asleep and Keziah was asleep in her little carrier. And I remember sitting there just at the window and looking at her, looking at her, her tiny fingers and her, her tiny feet and just the way her chest went up and down as she breathed. And I was so thankful to God for a beautiful, healthy, precious baby girl, but also the idea that I was going to be a dad. I was going to be someone who, who was going to guide and nurture and protect and, and teach this beautiful soul in front of me. A couple of days later, we, we got the okay to go home and, and we put Keziah in this little carrier and we, we made the trip home to Bendigo where we were living at the time. And uh, we got home, we, we opened the doors and, and came in and we put Keziah, who was in this carrier, on the coffee table. And Kristen and I sat there and we looked at Keziah and we looked at each other and Keziah was fast asleep. And I remember looking at Christine and going, now what do we do? I had no idea what it meant. And, you know, I learned very quickly that when she's asleep, that's when you do everything else. But at that moment, looking at her and realizing we are responsible for this little precious bundle. I had this overwhelming sense, this overwhelming sense that only grew over time, this overwhelming fear that I was not going to be good enough to be a dad. You know, we have this Christian culture where men are meant to be strong and mighty. And, and, and I realized, you know what, I'm, I'm not strong and mighty in every area of my life. You know, there's times where I'm going to have to provide wisdom and strength and protection. And, and am I going to be able to do that for this beautiful little girl? And I think that in our, in our culture, we, we, we sort of extrapolate that with, with the idea of what men should be. And that's honestly, it's, it's exampled well in the, the Christian conference scene. You know, you see women's Christian conferences and they're all about beauty and love and preciousness. But men's conferences uh, portray a very different message of what men and fathers should be. I went to Google and I typed in, Christian men's conference to see what would come up. And these are the conferences. These are legit. You can Google them yourself of men's conferences uh, that exist and the idea of what men and fathers should be. They are total man, man up, stronger, next level man, warrior, real men, transformers, brave hearted men, strength, courageous no regrets, rough cut men, masculinity, ignite, mighty men, men of valor, standing ground, empower, total man, heart of a champion. Now, I'm not saying that that's not what men should be. Men should totally be those things. We are called to be courageous and brave hearted and strong uh, men and dads for our children. But I found myself very quickly overwhelmed going, you know what, I'm not sure that I can be that person. I want to be, but I know deep inside that I fail 
I make mistakes. I'm going to fall short in this fatherhood thing going forward. I'm going to, I'm going to fail. And 12 years down the track, I can tell you, I have failed. You not just ask me, not just ask Christine. You can ask Keziah. <laughs> I've failed as a father so many times. And I remember reading the scriptures one day and being encouraged by this one story of a dad who, who, who portrayed this one characteristic, this undignified love that gave me so much encouragement in what it means to be a dad. And we're going to look at that story right now. So turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at uh, 21 to 24, and then 35 to 43. It's the story of Jairus. It goes like this. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all of the people followed, crowding around him. And then in verse 35, we pick up the story after the woman with the issue of blood. While he was still speaking to her, the woman with the issue, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. When he went inside, he asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. This is a beautiful story, and I love what Jairus did. He fell at the feet of Jesus, totally undignified, not worried about what the people around him were thinking, and called out to God saying, please help me because I can't do this on my own. But I think there's a cultural challenge in this story, and that is this. Jairus should not have been at the feet of Jesus. Let me say that again. Jairus should not have been at the feet of Jesus. And let me tell you why. Because at the start in verse 22, we learn that Jairus is the leader of a synagogue. Now, the leader of the synagogue wasn't necessarily a Pharisee or a priest or someone who was paid for that position, but someone who was a volunteer and chosen by the paid positions as a person of trust to be in that role. Oxford Biblical Studies says the leader of a synagogue was an official appointed by the elders to look after the building, its contents, and its arrangements for worship. You see, Jairus was not only someone who in the eyes of society was, was, uh, was a leader and someone to look up to, but even in the eyes of the rest of the church was someone who was trusted with the vision and the mission of the church, which at this point in time, Jesus had a lot to say against. So we see that 
Jairus and his image in society really shouldn't have been at the feet of Jesus, but it's not only that. You see, Jairus was a leader of the synagogue, and we see in other pieces of scripture that leaders of the synagogue had direct issues with Jesus and the way that he conducted his ministry. We see one of those examples in Luke chapter 13, verse 10 to 17. It says this, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand up straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on these days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she has been released even on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. You see, Jairus was an important man. He was a church man. He was trusted by all the other leaders who hated Jesus. They didn't like what Jesus did. Jesus challenged them. Jesus was their enemy. And even says that his enemies were ashamed. You see, Jairus shouldn't have been there. If he'd taken a moment to look at his situation, the position that he held, the position that his friends held in regards to who Jesus was, he really could have come to the conclusion that I can't go out there and see Jesus. I'm too important. I have this position, I have this image. And I can imagine as Jairus running out there and falling at the feet of Jesus, people standing there going, this is Jairus. This is the leader of the synagogue. This is the guy who, him and his mates, they don't like Jesus. And now he's here at the feet of Jesus? Because when all was said and done, and when there was a great need in Jairus' life, he knew he couldn't do it on his own. And he became undignified. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people were saying or whispering to each other. And he didn't care what the other synagogue leaders were going to say about him because he had immense love for his daughter and he was undignified in the way that he ran to Jesus and fell at his feet. You know, we see undignified uh, love in the way that we conduct ourselves as fathers today. You know, you see, you see dads you know, dancing embarrassingly at weddings because they love their daughters. Uh, we, see, we see dads taking silly Instagram photos and social media photos with their kids because they're undignified. They don't care what people say about them. They love their children. We see, we see silly voices in stories and, and particularly we see dads who dress up in crazy costumes for their kids because they love them. They don't care what people think. I can tell you now, any dad, it doesn't matter how tough, how bold, how strong you are, when your daughter says, we're having a tea party and you have to dress up as a Disney princess, you go to the cupboard and you choose a costume. For me, it was always Jasmine. Because we're undignified in our love for our children. We don't care what people say. We shouldn't care what people say about the way that we love our children. Who cares? It's undignified. You know, if you want to be bold and brave-hearted, if you want to be strong and courageous, 
if you want to be a mighty man, a father of influence, I honestly believe it starts with undignified love for our children. You know, that's a cool story, and we could finish the sermon there. You know, we could finish that right there. But you know what? I think there's a couple of points in there that we can really draw out of how we can practically do that in our world. And I will say these are thoughts, not points. Again, thoughts are much shorter. So the first one is this. Jairus waited. Jairus waited. Unless this is a a disease that is extremely quick, we have to be led to believe that Jairus waited until the very last minute to go and see Jesus. You know, why wouldn't you? If your daughter is sick, you, okay, first you you look to see maybe, oh, let's just lay down, have a glass of water. Let's see if if it pans out. Or, okay, well, maybe it's not panning out. Let's have a sleep. Maybe tomorrow it will feel better. No? Okay, well, let's, let's get some advice from people. In today's society, we might Google some, some symptoms. And then, okay, okay, we need to call the doctor. We need to get someone here to come and fix what's going on here. And then when all those things were tried, Jairus is like, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to go see Jesus. Now, he knew who Jesus was. He'd heard about Jesus going and healing from town to town, teaching marvelous and wonderful things. No doubt within the synagogue leader community, there was talk about Jesus and the things that he was doing. And Jairus goes, you know what? I need to go and see this Jesus. It was his last resort. I need to go and see Jesus. And I think that that sometimes that's our human nature, is we wait until the last minute to go and get something fixed. Dads, you are going to face parenting issues. You are going to face challenges. And some of those might be big and some of those might be small. But let me encourage you is that Jesus should be a first turn, not a last resort. Let me say that again. In all the challenges you face as a father, make Jesus your first turn, not a last resort. Now, I'm not saying that you can't call doctors and you can't see counsellors and you can't do the practical things, but let Jesus be your first turn. Run to him with undignified love and, and, and just give or humbly fall before his feet in the dirt. Say, Jesus, I need you to be the father you've called me to be. Don't wait until the last minute. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, it is too late. I've left it to the last minute. I've I've tried to fix things myself. I've tried to solve the problems myself and I haven't even consulted Jesus at all. And it's too late. I've made the situation worse. My kids are gone from Jesus. My kids are gone from me. There's a broken relationship. They want nothing to do with me. My kids have fallen so far into, into issues with mental health. I, I should have gone to Jesus sooner. And now it's too late. That's my second point and thing that we can pick up from this story is it's never too late. It is never too late. You know, our situation might look impossible. Like Jairus, you know, you're standing there and, and, and your people come up and say, it's too late, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. By every stretch of the imagination, that's the end of the story. No doubt everyone around is, is like, oh, okay, Jesus, where to next? That story's finished. That one's closed. Let's, let's move on. Even Jairus would have been thinking that, like, I left it too late. But Jesus responds with, don't be afraid. Have faith. You might be watching this and you might think, you know what, as a dad, and by the way, this is a Father's Day message, but there are mums out there, there are single people out there, there are grandparents out there, and it's not just in regards to our children, all sorts of things in life. 
where we go, you know what? It's too late for me. I've screwed up. But dads, particularly for you today, let me challenge you and encourage you. Have you prayed about it as much as you worried about it? Your children's mental health. Have you prayed about it as much as you've worried about it? Are your children following Jesus? Maybe they're not. Maybe they've decided they want nothing to do with Jesus. It's not too late. Have you prayed about it as much as you've worried about it? Listen to the words of Jesus. Let them soak over you. Let them encourage you. Do not be afraid. Have faith. If Jesus can get news that someone who has died is now going to be raised again, he's like, you know what, this is not the end of the story, then surely your story is not done. Surely the things that you think are impossible are not done. And you know what, we are going to face these, these situations where we go, you know what, what are people going to think? I'm meant to be strong, I'm meant to be a leader, I'm meant to be bold, and now my kids who who... I'm meant to love and cherish and nurture and protect and guide aren't following Jesus or they're struggling with mental health or our relationship is so broken they don't want anything to do with me. Like, what are people going to think if I verbalize that to somebody and seek Jesus' help and, and be open and honest about the fact that that's where I'm at? That's why it's called undignified love because we don't care what people think. Just like Jairus, we throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and we ask him for help. But we have this thing in society where we go, you know what, particularly in church, where the big things we'll take to God, but the little things, we can, we can deal with those things. You know, it's like when you're renovating a house, like, you know, if you need a door put back on a hinge, we can do that. That's fine. We can manage that. You need to clean the windows. Don't need to call anybody. I can do that. All of a sudden, your plumbing is shot and everywhere through the house and you need to get a plumber. Well, that's too big for me. I need to get some help. That's like our lives in Christendom sometimes is, you know, our kids have some little problems. Like, well, I'll just deal with that and I'll fix that. And you should be in that space. No no worries. But the big things, when it gets too much, when it gets out of control, we're like, okay, God, now I need your help. Even the little things, let's take them to God. Christine was uh, telling me this story of when she was young and one of these beautiful stories of her dad. And uh, she said one day she woke up, one night she woke up with this massive earache and she had ear infections as a child quite a lot, she said. And uh, she woke up one night and she was just in immense pain. And her dad heard her crying from another room and her dad came into the room and he could have said, okay, well, let's get the medicine or let's give a glass of water or let's, you know, let's clean, let's, Lay down, you'll be fine in the morning. And those things are fantastic, don't get me wrong. But his first turn was Jesus. And he puts his hands on Christine's ear and he starts to pray. And he says, dear Jesus, please heal my little girl. And then he prays this prayer, as Christine says, this long prayer. And when he finishes praying, he says to Christine, how's your ear feel? And she says, I don't know why you prayed so long, because as soon as you said, dear Jesus, heal my little girl, the pain was gone. Even in the little things, the things that we think I can manage this, I've got this. Let's get into that rhythm of life where every time we face an issue, we chase Jesus. When our kids need something, we teach them and we show them that Jesus is a first turn, not a last resort. 
Fathers, let us be encouraged by Jesus and challenged by Jairus. First turn, not a last resort. And I love that Jairus' role in the whole story was just to fall in front of Jesus. I think that's beautiful. So men, fathers who are watching this today, you are called to be strong. You are called to be courageous. You are called to be bold and you are called to be brave-hearted men. Absolutely that is your calling. But I don't think that you'll get there without humbly walking in undignified love. Let us, this week and going forward as dads, turn to Jesus first, not as a last resort. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for dads. I thank you that you're the ultimate dad, and that you love us. And no matter how far away we go from you, God, that you chase us down. That it's never too far. We're never too far gone. We're never too far lost to be found by you. And as we celebrate our earthly fathers today, God, I ask that you would encourage them, that you would raise them up. And you would challenge them to to chase you even more passionately, God to be brave-hearted, strong men, God, we have to first submit to you humbly. We thank you, Lord, for being the best father (laughs) that we could have. In your name we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day, dads. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.